Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin. I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, I'm running the show today from behind the scenes, which is could be could be a struggle. <laughs> this is amazing. Bennett Conlin, IT extraordinaire. Really uh, awesome to see you control everything. I'm oh, yeah. I'm really proud of the growth I've seen out of you in the last five minutes to get this show up and running. We had a little bit of issues with going live, but we figured it out. <laughs> I got confused. How do I uh, make sure our Twitter handles are on there? Or uh, that's up? too. It's too late. That no, was an really? extra step. Yeah, that was an extra step. So you just have to go in by yourself and retweet, but because you just won't get notified now. Well, you, I'm in on the little, even on the little lower third for us, like on your screen. Oh, you know, un- unclick. Welcome into the Jamie Sports News. Uh huh. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, all right. All right. This is going to be a bumpy ride for those watching. Fortunately, I think a lot of people watch after the fact. Good news. I will say, I think this might be a bumpy ride for those listening too, as they hear us talk for 50 seconds about the lower thirds (laughs) and the names. So it's going to be a bumpy uh, ride. That's true. That (laughs) is true. Look at that. Got the ads up. Pew, 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 pew. (laughs) There you go. You got the ads up. Take it away. Take it away, Mr. Three-Notch Man. Yeah, Three-Notch, we are very excited that they stuck with us through basketball season. I'm not sure if all our listeners did, but Three-Notch did, which is exciting stuff. <laughs> We've <laughs> only had about like a 20% drop-off. That's not horrible, actually. Probably because Byington and the boys are cooking right now. As What, what we've seen... If you're listening and you have friends that don't listen, one, tell your friends to listen to us because we're the uh, unauthorized, authorized uh, supplier of bad JMU sports takes. But mm-hmm. also... I forgot where I was going with that. Bad basketball doesn't fall off as much as you would think. Yeah. Although when they were bad, it fell off a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. But three notch, they're sticking with us. We love them. Yep. Sign up for the Fresh Beer Club. Find out more at threenotchedbrewing.com. They have first tap Fridays, Harrisonburg exclusive releases every Friday from brewer Nick Branson. I love it there. You love it there. Cozy. They got board games. They got pretty much everything you can possibly want out of a, a local brewery in Harrisonburg, in my opinion. I think they are number one of all the local Harrisonburg breweries. And it's that's some stiff competition, but I do think Three Notch takes it home. And not only the fact that is it the number one in Harrisonburg, it's up there in Charlottesville, Roanoke, Virginia Beach, Richmond. Every major city in Virginia that I think there's a strong contingent of JMU fans, they have a tap room that you have to check out and each one has slightly different kind of promotions and uh fun things that they do valley collab house is the one we talk about the most because i mean yeah. we're talking with them every week about what's happening so uh check out your local three notch see what they're doing every single day because who knows they may have i mean they have their fresh beer club but they may have a slightly different selection uh that and along with all of their fun like songs they probably have first tap fridays or something along those lines as well absolutely and did you know that bet online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season everything from nfl playoffs the big game is right around the corner to pro and college basketball when will lebron james break kareem abdul jabbar's scoring record we're recording this on tuesday at 701 p.m eastern so 
By the time you're listening to this, he very well could have already broken it. And college basketball. Is UConn a fraud? Maybe. UFC, MMA, and more. Clemson's a fraud. Clemson's a fraud. Clemson's a major fraud. But I think UConn's in a really bad of a... We'll, we'll talk about this off air, I guess. They're uh, they're up 20 points on Marquette right now, so... Yeah, but they also... Didn't they lose to Georgetown? They're so back. They're so... Didn't they, they lose to Georgetown? Did they? They were in a close no, game. No, it was a very close game to Georgetown. <laughs> Okay. Um, you'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and it's truly the easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device at betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus for everyone signing up and making their first-time deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's promo code BELIEVE, to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. And where yeah. this podcast starts, men's basketball won six of their last seven. And I'll say this. Their lone loss is a loss you would have expected on the road yeah. against Southern Miss, the number one team in the Sun Belt. It's not a bad loss at all. They've they've been playing significantly better. And I think well, that's not entirely true, but I think if you look at their their uh their Sun Belt play here, they really only had one like conference stinker, which was sort of that home app state game is one that I feel like they should not have been getting blown out sort of yes. in the early going there. They kind of made it a game, but still lost by nine. Obviously Valpo and Coppin state are pretty disgusting. So you can't really say that about the whole season, but I think, you know, in conference play, they have, what is it? Two one point losses. And then a, a couple, whatever. I mean, like they've been pretty good. They're eight and four now in league play. I'm not disappointed in that mark at all. I think eight and four is pretty solid for them. Eight and four is really solid, and when you look at the combined, like the points that they've lost by, one against Texas State, nine against App, so 10, 11 against South Alabama, seven. So they've lost four games by 16 points. I don't think that's a terrible mark. You might have to double-check the math on the Southern Miss, Southern Miss loss, but... Yep, I do indeed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I do. They lost by 13, not 7, so my math is off, and I apologize for that. But what is it? It's only like 24 or something for 4, so it's like an average of 6 a game. Like, they, they've been really competitive in, like, every Sunbelt game, but I kind of go back and forth on how I, I view so it. Off. I was so off. <laughs> on, <laughs> for, for me, though, it's like they won the first two, and if you told me after the Marshall win that they'd be 8-4, and four, I'd be like, oh, that's not what I was yes. hoping for, but then for them to, to lose three in a row and then still get it to eight and four, I did not think they would necessarily turn it around like that. And it was kind of impressive how they did it. I mean, these last four games, this is one, their first four game win streak of the season against division one opponents. And if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken, the first four game win streak against division one opponents since Byington's 2020 year. Yes. Yeah. Only the second of his tenure. Or I guess his. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's pretty amazing. And then they did that by winning two on the road this weekend, kind of in dominant fashion. It was a 78-73 win at ODU, and then it was a 63-57 win at App State. Both, um, they were close near the end, but there were large portions of that game where JMU completely dominated everything that was happening in that game. 
it is a little worrisome that down the stretch of both that they let those teams back into it. App had it tied, and I believe with under two minutes to go, it was a tie game. JMU ended up figuring things out, hitting some free throws late and winning by six. Against ODU, they hit the shots they needed to to end up winning by five, but both of those, they had 15-plus point leads at some point, I believe, in the second half. So it's a little worrisome that they came down to the end, but two road wins in two hostile environments. Yeah, those are nice wins. And if you look at like the, I guess the win probability graph or whatever on on Ken Palm, they never really felt like it was um, in serious jeopardy. Like there might've been times where it like got tied late or whatever, but they were never in a point in the two road games against like decent conference opponents where they were like dead. Like they kind of had the edge for, the majority of the of both games because they jumped out to hot starts and it's kind of what you're looking for right to to start strong and hang on to the best of their ability but defensively they're playing well they're still bricking a lot of threes but it's it's um you know i don't know they're finding ways that when they don't have great shooting performances to sort of play through it a little bit uh, i'm going to touch on the standings real quick and then we can get into kind of yeah. their shot selection and go into it JMU is currently tied for third in the Sunbelt standings. Southern Miss and Louisiana both sitting at 10 and 2 in Sunbelt play. Marshall and JMU tied in third at 8 and 4. JMU has Marshall and they have Louisiana on the schedule. Very real possibility JMU can win both of those uh, since both are at home. They can win both of those and leapfrog up the standings. Southern Miss loses a few here on the way out. The one seed still in play for Sunbelt Conference Tournament, uh, but most likely it will be kind of that two or three seed. But that two seed is very much in play because if JMU can win against Marshall and win against Louisiana, they hold the head-to-head tiebreaker, which will move them up the standings. So after what looked to be dead in the water, sitting at two and three in the middle of a three-game losing streak, um, and all Sunbelt hopes went to die. Jamie has now won six of the last seven and sit very pretty for a double buy in the conference tournament. Yeah. If you can get the double buy, that's key, right? You obviously don't have to play a couple games. So that, that'd be helpful. And I like their chances against pretty much anyone in the league. I don't think they're like a lock to win the conference or anything like that, or even the favorite necessarily. Yeah. But I think they'll have a chance regardless of who they play kind of late in the conference tournament. So I'm, I'm excited about the defense. I feel like the defense has really come on. And the three-point percentage was, was good this week, and I should back walk that back a little bit. They shot it pretty well from three. There's still some stretches where it feels like there are some some tough shots or maybe some interesting shot selection. But, like, shout-out to Julian Wooden. He hit eight threes in those two games, five against ODU, three against App State. He's a big-time shooter. He proved me right after almost proving me wrong there for, like, a five-game stretch where he hadn't hit a three. But – He's had a chance to run a little more with Sule out, I feel like. And I like him offensively. I really like what he brings as a shooter and then also as somebody who can score uh, from inside the three-point line. He just feels like a really good player. Yeah. Jamie, you shot 43% this weekend from behind the arc. That's the number they need to be shooting. They shot 20 times against ODU, went 10 of 20, 10 of 20 against the Monarchs. Against App State, they went 11 of 29 from behind the three-point line. Um, they actually shot it better from three than they did from two, um, which might be a reason that App State got back into that game. Yeah. Um, that they probably just couldn't hit their bunnies late. Uh, but kind of like you said, it did kind of feel like at times there were slower stretches. But what I really like, Noah Friedel also 0 of 6 from behind the arc against App State. 
and they still shot 37.9%. So that's really promising. But I think what the difference is over this seven game streak and more specifically this four game winning streak and correct me if I'm not seeing this right. It's who's taking the threes. Molson's not really taking many threes anymore as many, or at least as many threes slash bad mid range shots. You're not seeing a Mahdi jack up from three. You're not really seeing off jack up from three. You're not seeing, um, Edwards do it as much. Um, Ian Nacho was two of three against app state, but overall he's kind of picking and choosing his spots. He's not taking contested jumpers. It seems like they all know their role a little bit more. Yeah. They seem to be playing into it. I think that's, that's accurate. It's like Edwards, for example, is like, he kind of knows if his shots there, like, and if, if his jumper is yeah. not and he can score from two, he does it. If he feels it a little bit from three, he might take a couple more, but yeah, I mean, I wanted Wooden to take more threes than he is, which I think is good. Uh, Morse got injured against ODU and missed the app game, so that'll be something to monitor. His shoulder got, I guess his left shoulder got kind of banged up. Byington, I don't think we'll ever say anything clear the rest of the season on what his status is, so we just have to kind of wait on that. But, yeah, obviously if he comes in, you got another guy who can shoot. But when Molson's game against ODU is, I think, the – best game he's played all year what nine assists no turnovers 18 points only took two threes like that's pretty perfect for what you're looking for out of him right no turnovers he shot it efficiently which is not necessarily his calling hard when they can get that kind of performance like they're pretty good yeah and he kind of had a, he had a good weekend overall and we after we were kind of ragging on him the weekend before where according to ken palm his offensive efficiency ratings were just abysmal and yet the uh, one of the websites you use was saying that the Takal and Noah combo is one of the most yeah. efficient duos in all of the nation, which I, I was scratching my head at. But then he went and proved it, proved me wrong in these two games. His stat line you just mentioned against ODU was fantastic. And honestly, his stat line against App State, 16 points, 4 of 8 shooting, 2 of 4 from deep, 6 of 7 from the free throw line, snagged 5 rebounds, had 3 assists, 4 turnovers. But overall, like... That's that's what you need out of him. And I think four of eight is okay. Sometimes I, I don't love that he's a volume shooter, but when he's hitting it at a 50% clip, I don't mind it as much. But there are times it seems he goes uh, a little cold. But a really good weekend. And I think this team can only go, and this might be really stupid analysis, but I think this team can only go as far as Molson lets them. It's it's a key part of it. It's right that huge trio with Friedel and Morris and Molson. Like you kind of need two of the three, or at least one of the three, to play really well or contribute in a way that's maybe outside what we anticipate. You know, I got to shout out Noah Friedel too, though, real quick because he wasn't getting a lot of run in the final minutes of games mm-hmm. for a large portion of conference play. These last few weekends, he has been getting run in the final minutes, and while his shot might not be there. Um, he's rebounding at a really solid yeah. clip for a guard. He had 10 rebounds against App State. He didn't hit a shot. He didn't have a point, or I guess he had two points because of free throw line. But, like, you can pull down 10 rebounds. I love him being out there. As long as he's not kind of the Achilles heel to the defense, he had five against ODU. He had four against ULM. Uh only two against Coastal, but like these last three games, he's averaging what six rebounds a game. 
he's a good rebounder and the fact that he can hit threes is really good and then we have his other players sort of backing him up if he has an off shooting night right where you've got wooden knocking him down edwards knocking him down even Ianacho and, and Molson, you can space the floor more and it becomes a more dynamic offense. Now, when they have the games where they're shooting like 20%, obviously it's nice to see them attack a little more, which they do at times, but I think they're kind of figuring some stuff out. And then they only had six guys play 25 minutes or more. So they have narrowed the rotation a little bit. Some of that is because they have to, because Morrison Sule aren't available. Right. But it's like sort of a, it's obviously a problem to not have those two. But at the same time, it makes them play a narrow rotation that seems to have some decent cohesion. So I'd be interested to see exactly what Byington tries to do once they ideally get those guys back. How exactly do you mix them in, right? If Sule's gone a few weeks without playing, what's his ability to sort of phase back in and not throw you out of your rhythm? It'll be kind of interesting to see how they make that work. Yeah. And one last thing on that App State game. I think it was fantastic that Friedel only had two points when 0 of 6. Mezzi only had four points, and mm-hmm. his last bucket came with 17 minutes and five seconds left in the first half. Still picked so, up a road win. And you still won. And and the guys that scored in double figures were Ian Acho, Molson, Edwards, and Wooden. That's like a, a very interesting four-man mix of scoring in double figures. I can't is. So are the Dukes back? Because we were talking after they go 2-0, right, early in the season at times, too, that this is, you know, maybe an NCAA tournament team. Are we getting those same vibes? Are we getting a, hey, this team is going to roll through the Sun Belt, put themselves into March Madness? Okay, last time we got really excited, we were on here in our three-notched preview, which is coming up in a little bit, talking about how it's so, JMU can go to 4-0 in Sun Belt play so easily when they were getting set to take on Texas State and App State both at home. And they ended up dropping them both. And then we came back on here. Okay, I know they went 0-2 that weekend, but they can go 2-0 and again this weekend. And they go 1-1 and against South Alabama and Georgia Southern. So I don't want to get ahead of myself because there is a part of me that is saying these are very winnable games coming up against Georgia Southern and Coastal, both on the road. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think JMU loses one of them. I think they go one and one this weekend. However, I do think they're back. I think the double buy is very much in play. Um, they have a tough final four, ODU, Louisiana, Marshall, and Georgia State. They've played Marshall and Georgia State already. Louisiana is the best slash second best team in the Sun Belt. And you just played ODU last weekend. So when you end up playing ODU again, it's not even a month removed. It's 14 days later. It's two weeks later when you're playing ODU for the second time. That's tough final four games. So you kind of got to pick up these two. But that's a long-winded way for me to say there's hope. There's hope. And I'm buying in. I'm, I'm no longer – I'm taking the lighter I had under Byington seat and I'm blowing it out. I'm bringing it away a little bit. Um, I think what he's done over the last two, three weeks is really solid. I think I'm all the way back in and I've sort of been trending in that direction. (laughs) And now I feel dangerously on board (laughs) with this team. Like I'm thinking they could win out. I'm thinking it's a legit possibility. They win the last six. I think so too, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Well, here's what gets me excited. It's like a lot of the times you'll go on Ken Palm and the team is like 
favored in their last six and like five of the games are by like a point. If you look at like the projected spread in these games, it's Georgia Southern, JMU five-point favorite. Coastal, JMU nine-point favorite. ODU, JMU nine-point favorite. Louisiana, four-point favorite. Marshall, one-point favorite. Georgia State, 13-point favorite. Like none of the, like there are games in there where it's like, yeah, I don't know that they'll cover, but like you're a nine point favorite. I don't know exactly what the money line would be, but like you'd be a pretty significant. I don't think it's out of the question. I think for me, four and two is kind of the minimum where like you win for the next six. I'm still on board going into the conference tournament. If they end up going like three and three or worse. I'm probably a little bit concerned, but if they keep the momentum going, they can get four wins. You're looking at 21 regular season wins. I'm I'm pretty pleased with that. I'd love to see them do more. And if they do get six, you're going into the conference tournament on a 10 game winning streak. You got a net in a position where you go win the conference tournament. You beat some of those teams, Southern Miss, Marshall, Louisiana, that have, you know, respectable Mets, the Nets themselves. You're talking about a 13 seed, maybe, right? And you get a four and you're on a whatever it'd be, 12 or 13 game win streak. You're one of the hottest teams in college basketball. Maybe you get the Zags, you go whoop, knock them out. And yeah, I mean, of course. Ball. I mean, I mean, it's a given. If you get Gonzaga, whoop, they'll knock them out. They're good. They're good. Yeah, yeah. Drew Look Timmy, Drew Timmy down on the low post. No, Mezzi's on. Mezzi's We got shot blockers. We got shot blockers for days. We've been saying that all year. We'd love to go up against a two point specialist like that. It's a perfect <laughs> matchup for the Dukes. Um, for what it's worth, Ken Palm agrees with you. Four and two is about what they're looking at. Which is solid, right? It'd be twelve and six in the league. Like I don't, I don't have any complaints with that. I'd be very happy. I think there'd be a lot of reasons to be happy. But if they like went out, I think then you start getting a little steam. You start getting a little momentum. The other thing that I'm interested in, the two, uh, two of the three like crappiest teams left on their schedule are the next two. Yeah. Georgia Southern's not great. Coastal's bad. Like Coastal's just flat out bad. So if you go get those two. You have four home games. I would love to see what the fan support is. Like, is there enough knowledge? And I don't want to say this offensively, <laughs> but like in the community or even the student body to be like, oh, they're making a run at a Sunbelt title. Or is it like such small potatoes that people don't notice? Because I'd love to see what those crowds are like for, you know, ODU and Louisiana Marshall. And then Georgia State's a crappy opponent, but it's also the last game of the year. I mean, weren't the Coastal and Louisiana Monroe crowds good? Right, they were. Yeah, I would think they'd be good. I now think so do, too. Now, do the student and I again, like you said, I don't mean this offensively, but like, would the general student know they're in the running for a Sun Belt champion, like regular season championship? Would they know that, like, in all honesty, that Louisiana game, depending on how things shake out over the next three for Louisiana, could be a de facto Sun Belt championship game, like. There are a lot of different factors that I don't think the normal fan would know. However, I think there's enough buzz around this team, especially if they win the next two, that those final four home games may be the most, this is going to sound like a 62-year-old saying this, the most lit atmosphere we've seen since UVA last season. It's got a chance to be something. I think Southern Miss is sort of my run away i think they'll get it because they have a tie break like even if jamie goes on a run southern That's miss true. two games up they got the tiebreaker i think they'll be the one seed but if like if you finish tied one with them i feel like you're taking a co-title in terms of claiming i mean you're I not think, the one seed but maybe you claim it i don't know i think at the end of the day just getting a double buy is the biggest thing like yes. that's the most necessary thing and 
one through four, it doesn't matter how it's stacking up because I think the rest of the Sun Belt is so bad. It doesn't matter if you're playing the five, six, seven, eight, nine, or ten. Like, f- do all the teams make it in the Sun Belt? I believe yes. I believe yes. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if you're playing five or 14. Like, those teams are all bad. Yeah, I think the only one in the middle that's like, I guess like Troy and South Alabama have some redeeming qualities to them, but they haven't played consistently enough to make it really a, a threat. It seems like it's, yeah, I would agree that it's probably those four that I think will get the double buy, and those are your four that are sort of competing for the, the title. And it's exciting because we get the next month, if you're JMU, you got a chance to finish strong and you could go from like, you know, a little February or January, whatever it was, struggle bus, I guess January, a little January struggle bus to maybe be in like a, a darling Cinderella. Like, I mean, Here, here's the a, thing though. I'm going to, right. can I, can I pump the brakes on you a little bit? Uh, no. Okay. I'm going to yeah. try to, and let's see what happens. <laughs> There's a stronger chance they lose their first game in the Sunbelt tournament than they do winning the Sunbelt tournament. So like just mentally no. prepare yourself. They Ooh, could maybe. go six and zero. Oh, they could win out. They could be sitting pretty at two in the Sun Belt. There would not be any part of me that would be shocked that they lose the first game of the Sun Belt tournament. My guess, I think you would. What it gets once you get in, it would be the quarters if you have a double buy. This is I how think... I know how important this is to you. Your hand movements are getting <laughs> your hand I'm movements sort of don't. Doing brackets in my head i think they would i think they'll get through the quarters if they get a double buy so they would win that first game they play and then the semis and the finals would be legitimately hard right if you're going up against louisiana southern miss or marshall on a neutral floor it's it's going to be hard you're also i think pensacola is just probably significantly closer to a well i don't know do you think anyone travels to that like do you think southern miss or louisiana are going to have like legit we were talking about traveling to that so like i think they're just like the jmu section is going to be so small I don't think we'll travel. Like I, I don't think JMU will travel well. I think there's a there will be a larger Southern Miss contingent, Louisiana yeah. contingent, even yeah. Marshall contingent. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that atmosphere is actually like. But I don't know. I'm excited for it. I think the rest of the season they got a chance to to go on a little run. So I guess we got to what we got to do a little preview action. Oh, three notch weekly preview. Is it time for the th- okay? It's time for the Three Notch Weekly Preview, breaking down another road trip after picking up two huge wins on the road last weekend. JMU hits the road yet again to take on Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina, two of the worst teams in the Sun Belt. Georgia Southern comes in on a four-game losing streak. They've lost six of their last seven. Their only win was against Georgia State. Georgia Southern the former employer of Mark Byington. This is the first time Byington will be back down in Statesboro, Georgia. Since he was hired, Brian Berg has taken over, and the Eagles have not done a lot. They are the fourth-best offense in conference play only, but their defense struggles. They allow a lot of points. They play at a medium-paced tempo, but they really just aren't good defensively. They don't turn you over. They don't steal the ball. They allow threes at an extremely high rate. They're 11th in the conference in three-point percentage against at 34%. So JMU has the blueprint to take down Georgia Southern. And then game two, JMU just played Coastal on January 26th, and they won 75-69 at home. They now head down to Conway, South Carolina, to take 
on a coastal team that has lost their last five games, including a terrible loss against Chicago State. They're one of the worst teams defensively, and I know we just talked about this. JMU should blow them out of the gym like they did before. I was a little surprised that it was so close last time these two teams played. JMU should destroy them. Their offense isn't bad, 196th in the nation, but they have the 300, 330th worst defense in the nation of 363 teams. Bennett, the floor is yours. What do you expect out of this weekend? I assume a 2-0 and week. I think so. That's my expectation. You've kind of got a perfect scenario, I feel like, if you're JMU, where Georgia Southern and Coastal, you can make an argument that they're sort of jockeying for seeding at the bottom of the Sun Belt, but it's it's not a lot going on there. I'm not sure exactly what their motivation would be in sort of early to mid-February on a gigantic losing streak other than like, hey, let's maybe gear up for a late run in the conference tournament. But I think right now is a lull for them mentally, those two opponents where, hey, we're not playing well, let's figure it out in like two weeks. So I think if you're JMU, you've got a great chance to jump on them. I cannot imagine either atmosphere is going to be great. <laughs> So I think if you're JMU and you can stay focused and sort of execute what you're doing defensively, you should be in a great position to get two more. And the games mean a lot. We've talked about some of these sort of mediocre opponents, and it feels like JMU maybe doesn't focus quite as much. These games really matter because if you get them, you have a four-game homestand to finish the year to go make a run. Yeah. Huge. Also hilarious to me that Cliff Ellis is like 100 years old, and they're like, Look at this legend of coaching. We were texting about it during the Coastal game. Here's my – can I make a request to all broadcasts out there and all, like, media members? Can we not hype up a coach who's been at a school for 50 years? That doesn't mean he's good. That means that program is okay with mediocrity, and that's all that coach will bring them. Hey, what, he had one good year at Auburn, I guess? Is that sort of his <laughs> – I think. And he's he has a lot of like wins. He's years. had some – He's had some apparently some decent years. Let me go through here. He was, yeah, he's an okay coach. Like he had Clemson was doing some stuff, Auburn's doing some stuff. Coastal, like the last decade, has been pretty irrelevant, though. That's what I'm like. <laughs> like if Coastal was okay, like Coastal clearly is okay with mediocrity. Like they should have fired him five years ago and like restarted, but instead they're like, well, the only thing we can hang our hat on is having a legendary coach. Made the second round of the NCAA tournament 2013-14. Qualified again the next season. Since then, they have not played in an NIT or an NCAA tournament. They've played a lot of those, like, CI three CBI appearances since then, which is awesome. Being like, yeah, we'll go back. <laughs> Sign us up. Which I'm laughing now in JMU. Like, in four weeks, I'll probably be in the CBI. But <laughs> a pretty funny uh, little setup there that they would agree to playing a bunch of those i am with you that there's a lot of like what they've done is unbelievable it's like well not not recently though yeah <laughs> yeah all right do we want to move on from the uh the happiness to the sadness of women's basketball they've lost four of six they've lost four of six they've lost three of four mm -hmm. both That's of them aren't good marks especially after the, especially because this three of four streak comes off the heels of the Troy win. Yep. Like after the Troy win, you were sitting there with what one conference loss. 
with a win over the next best team and you dom like not dominated but like you won a game that in past it seemed like jmu had found ways to lose and now after a one and one weekend you just lost to georgia southern who's not a good team you're sitting at eight and four in conference play tied with one two three four five other teams for second if you slip up one more time this season you just lost your double buy I think they got a little room for error. A little bit. Because maybe there's a, one loss. Maybe one loss. You maybe five went losses gets you the double buy still. They're in a five way tie for second. So you I think that's right. So you have to be of those three teams, if my brain is working. Yes. So there's yeah. So you get three of the teams will get double buys and two of them won't. Yeah, you'd love it if you could only lose what are you six left? Or you go five and one, or I think four and two might get them in, depending on what other teams. They should go six and zero. Oh. I don't. It's a tough slate the rest of the way, though. You beat Troy. You I looked know, but dominant. But they're broken now. They're com- <laughs> they just they don't look right at all. And I was looking at it. So in the three, like the three out of their last four, whatever those three losses, they've allowed teams to shoot fifty percent from three. So that's kind of like you're all right. Like they had kept themselves in pretty much every game with defense, right? Obviously the Troy game is sort of an exception where they played really well offensively, but you look at like their other games, like defense was awesome. And they were sort of dominating with defense and they've had a little lull here where teams are just nailing threes against them, which is, is not great, which I hope is a little bit of a blip where like maybe we're giving up a little bit too much room. Maybe they're hitting shots at a higher clip than they normally do. So I think it's fixable. But at the same time, if you go into the Sunbelt tournament or you like blow this double by and you're leaking water, you don't have momentum, it's going to be a really difficult way to end a season and a tough way to sort of swallow things. I mean, a few games ago, it was sort of a Kiki Jefferson is the player of the year campaign and we're going to finish in the top of the league. You finish like fifth, Kiki's not winning that award, like regardless of, of stats. And I think there are others that have good stats too like i think she has a strong case for player of the year but if you finish fifth like (laughs) i don't i don't see that happening so it's uh kind of a disappointing stretch here and not only are they allowing teams to hit threes at an insane clip over this these last three games of four but they're letting like one player just dominate them against georgia state it was nyla jean who went six of 11 from the field, five of seven from deep against coastal Carolina. It was Asia blunt. She finished with 20 points, went six of 10 from the field, but eight of eight from the free throw line, just absolutely eight inside against JMU against Georgia Southern. What's her first name? It was Taryn Ward who went off for 25 points, but 11 of those points came from the free throw line. She was only five of 15 there's been kind of an issue that teams are hitting their threes and getting to the line at a really high clip. Yeah. The, the defense has not been where it needs to be. And I still think Kiki's like stats maker, the favorite, but I could easily see if Troy kind of runs away with it, you find someone on Troy. Cause they've got some ballers that we saw in person that could make a good run at it. So it's, it's super disappointing in the stretch they have coming up here. So there's what there's, five teams for second which is kind of hilarious that that many teams could be eight and four in in league play but what is it i think like louisiana is one of them texas yep. state's one of them odu is yep. one of them like they yep. play all those teams 
<laughs> so it kind of does get to a point like where you're talking where you can't lose more than like one or two. I mean, like, you can lose some of those, as long but you as can't you're... you can't lose any of them against the teams you're tied with because then because yeah. then that's two losses, right? That's a loss on your record, but that's also a loss in. The, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to flick you off as I was counting off my fingers. That's also a loss head-to-head, so then you'd have to win two games to, like, leapfrog them. So if you're sitting in a four-way tie in tied for third and you lost to all of these guys, but you all have the same record, sucks to suck, you're the odd man out because you don't have the head-to-head. Right, you want some of those tiebreakers. So they, like, ODU, they beat at home, so they have a little edge there. I forget who some of the other teams are that had the four losses. But, like, I don't think they play Louisiana or Texas State yet. So those are, like, yeah, huge games, yeah. right? Because <laughs> they could kill you in the tiebreaker. So it's, I don't know, we'll see if they can kind of figure it out and get things rolling. I would like them to, because when they play their best, I think they have a good chance to win the league or at least contend for it. It'll be nice to see them get to an NCAA tournament. Uh, it's sort of the one thing they haven't done under Coach O. So we'll see what happens there. It's a uh, little pressure on for sure. What they got Louisiana Thursday at home. That's a huge game. Arkansas State stinks Saturday. So like they should win that game. So did but Georgia the, Southern. I think Georgia Southern's decent. They they clipped them in Harrisonburg too, and they can score. So I'm I'm less concerned about Georgia Southern, more concerned about the coastal Georgia State losses. But Fair. at the same time, you don't, I don't know, you don't really love to be like, hey, we're the best team in the league, but you lose both meetings with Georgia Southern, including a double-digit road loss. Like, you know, like it starts yeah. to add up where maybe Georgia State's competitive. I mean, Georgia Southern's competitive, but they're not. Um, they probably shouldn't sweep the season series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's in the water? What is it in Harrisonburg? Is it just defense? Like, is that all it is? I got to go back and listen to Coach O's this week's press conference because last week he was saying there's something in the water, like something is kind of up, and I got to find out what it is, which is not really what you love to hear in February. Well, I, I kind of chalked it up at first to the McDaniel injury because mm-hmm. she like dislocated a finger, and then for two game the next two games, which were the two games they lost, she had a huge bandage on her hand, and I believe she still had that this week. So maybe yeah. it's some of that. Kozlova got banged up, and then she came back. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just kind of the injuries. But, man, it feels like every year it's we think women's basketball is amazing, and then near the end of the comfort season, they kind of stumble. They've also been horrendous from three during the losing streak, which I think played like the, the gap between three-point shooting percentages – them and their opponent in those losses is like 30%. Like they're shooting like 20% and the opponents are shooting like 50. So maybe you can chalk it up to that. But we've talked about that with the men's team. Like it's, it's kind of hard to totally fix like three, three point issues. You know what I mean? There's no like, Hey, become elite shooters. Like if Peyton McDaniel isn't hitting six, like what do you do to actually fix it? You know, it's also more annoying with the women's team. Cause you have, what looked to be one of the most dominant post players in the entire conference in Kozlova. And you have Kiki Jefferson, the master of the mid range and the interior. And then you're just kind of like dying by the three. They also did a nice job. I was looking at it. I think they like a lot of key contributors had four foul. I think Jamie had four players get four fouls against Georgia Southern, including Kozlova. Kozlova, this is a, a kind of a wild stat line. 
She had six points and seven rebounds in 13 minutes, but she had four fouls. Was it? Did you say that your hot take with Kozlova is just to play her as much as you can until she fouls out? <laughs> and Good, Goodman did a nice job. She had five points and seven rebounds in 27 minutes. So she kind of came in and, and took some of that. But Kozlova, her level is kind of above whatever anyone else on the team in the post can do. So, yeah, that's kind of my hot take. It's like if she gets two, I don't. I don't care, like, <laughs> run around and see what happens with it. But obviously in that one, if she's only played 13, has four fouls, that, that probably would have led to a very quick foul out. <laughs> yeah. Goodman's like, Coach, I don't get a breather ever. And you're like, no, that's <laughs> – sorry about that. Go ultra small to give Goodman, like, a two-minute rest. Um, yeah, so what's up next for women's? We got that next. We'll, we'll, we'll break that down next. <laughs> the women's team, though, they got Louisiana and Arkansas State this weekend. Like you said. I just remembered you said that. Louisiana I truly good. Think, Arkansas State not good. Yeah, I truly think, though, they got to win. They, Louisiana is a must win. Is it too early to call it a must win? I think it's it's in that range because you look at Texas State and ODU as some of those other four-loss teams, both those on the road. So, like, yeah. a home game against one of the four-loss gigantic tied teams <laughs> – you might need that if you're looking at a double buy, like because that gives you maybe a little cushion to drop one to like ODU or something. And just to put everything in a little bit more perspective, five teams tied for second at eight and four in conference play. Then there's two more teams tied right behind them at seven and five. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize there were two and seven and five. So there are seven teams. Yeah, jockeying for like three spots. <laughs> That's yeah. So that kind of does become then if you drop to five with some of those other teams, I think the Louisiana one, Louisiana one, because it's at home could possibly qualify in that must win. I don't think that would be a stretch given what they have the rest of the way. And then Arkansas state's so bad that that one's a must win too. Like you can't, you can't lose a home one to Arkansas state. That would be kind of killer. Those two teams tied at seven and five in conference play Marshall and Georgia Southern. That's wild. Yes. So, okay. So they play. You got it. This is a must win. This 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 Louisiana game is a must win. What is app? App is drum roll, please. Four and eight. Okay. So okay. So then those two games, Arkansas State and App, feel really winnable. Your other four, three of them are against eight and four teams, and one is what Marshall seven and five. Yeah. That's that's nuts. There's like. I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about they're probably going to win the Sun Belt, and now like they need to turn it on to get a double bye. Yeah, if they that's lose, crazy. that's great. If I really think if they lose any more than one game, they are not getting a double bye. I, th- I think they could maybe get away with four and two. You know but what? Should, they just got to go. If they go six and zero oh and handle their business, they'll have the double bye. Yes, it would be nice to see them go on a little bit of a, a little a bit heater. of a run here. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Moving on from women's basketball then to this lower third that you're just so excited for. Can you read it out loud for us? Yeah, it's a lot of words. Rank the hot seats. Marlon Eikenberry, Coach O, and a couch cushion that you that's just been sat on. Number one, mm-hmm. Eikenberry. I agree. Number <laughs> two, is this from my perspective or is it from this, what I think the athletic department is? This is from your is? perspective. Okay, Eikenberry, Cocho, a couch cushion. Oh, man, I would do couch cushion, too. No, 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 no. From the athletic department, yes, you're right. I think so. 
But from Jack Fitzpatrick's perspective, Coach O, you if if this season ends in a meltdown, come on. Yeah, they at least got to put themselves like back in the mix. Like I think you got to get the double bye. You got to be in the mix. You don't necessarily have to win the Sun Belt. I think you have to make the championship game though. I, it would be anything less would be disappointing. I mean, you can't uh, to go through Kiki Jefferson's whole career without a an NCAA tournament appearance would really be devastating. That was my exact point. Yeah. A con- without winning a conference, without a conference championship berth. Yeah, that stinks. That's why he's number two. We we hate to see that. Eichenberry, though, his seat is on fire. There's no re. I don't know how he's still alive. Yeah, we got to talk quick spring sports because I did not realize that they had um, they start this week. Yeah, Some they do. Baseball starts up here in a couple of weeks. Charlotte's opening day is the seventeenth, so I imagine. That's the same with up. baseball. We got softball Friday. So- oh, I forget softball starts so much quicker. Softball in the Sun Belt, baby. <laughs> Can't wait for that one. Pick to finish fifth. Yeah, that's not surprising. They had a bad year not last year. Overly surprising. The other thing I'll say. Both national and local softball coverage, understandably limited. But at the same time, I have no idea what to expect. Like, I don't think there's like the the coverage is like it'll be like, you know, Lauren the portal say that they're having a good fall. You know what I mean? Like, there's not like a someone tell me if they're gonna be good because I don't know. And I feel like other people might be in the know, especially internally. Like who's gonna be a who's gonna play? I know Hannah Shiplett's gonna play, right? She's a star. She was talking with the Breeze. She wants to be like a first team All American player. Sweet goal. She wants to be the best player in the Sun Belt. I think that's like she's gonna be one of the best, no doubt. Alyssa Humphrey's gonna pitch a bunch. All right, like what <laughs> what else is gonna happen? So I guess we just sort of have to find out Friday and beyond because I I haven't read or seen a lot about like what to actually realistically expect. Yeah, last season, just a quick recap of what happened last year. Alyssa Humphrey um, led the team in innings pitched with 130 and a third, and she had a 3.92 ERA. Alexis Bermudez was second on the team with 92 innings pitched, had 3.73 ERA. Bermudez, though, graduated, was a redshirt senior, so she's gone. And so the next person up, Meredith Wells, a sophomore pitcher from Daleville, Virginia, had a four five nine ERA in those twenty nine innings. So expect a heavy dose of Alyssa Humphrey. And if I'm not mistaken, Humphrey is a pure pitcher. She is, and then like I think Meredith transferred. Oh. So then you got they she added did, yeah. they added a Georgia transfer, but I don't think she really played at Georgia. And then freshman uh, I think it's Kyla or, or Kayla Barry. I'll have to get the pronunciation guide hopefully here soon. And uh, I think so- someone had her as like a top 100 freshman to watch. Like, I think she's pretty highly regarded, but it, again, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what the, <laughs> what they're going to look like. And they also had a Brittany hook. Who's a graduate transfer from South Florida, but I don't know that if she's expected to be, like, I mean, she had, I guess in, at South Florida, she played three seasons and had 12 strikeouts. So they obviously weren't using her a ton. So like, I don't know exactly what that means for, and then I guess she also can play outfield. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I want to know, cause I love this team. It just feels like I have no, no idea. And then obviously in a more 
serious note, I would be interested in coverage around like the emotions of this year, right? It's the first Friday's the first game they played since Lauren uh, Burnett's death. And then they'll obviously come home and have their first home games since that horrible event. So it's going to be interesting to see how the community supports them. I imagine they'll have a ton of community support. They always do. Uh, but yeah, interested to hear more about this team, what they're going to look like, and also what it's like to just even like play again after after everything that went on last year. So a lot of of interest for me with the softball team, and hoping that we can get some some increased coverage here. Understandably, too, that we do not have a lot right with like they're not a top twenty five team. Um, and then if you're like a local media reporter, both teams basketball teams are in the heat of conference season, so you're probably not. <laughs> hammering out like detailed softball uh or even baseball things for the weird sickos like like you and me who love those uh, olympic sport breakdowns yeah yeah man can't believe it's almost here i'm scrolling through baseball's uh roster too so many new faces man oh, we got to do a quick i guess we'll do more next week but like they got to show me something baseball's got to show me something here Oh, 1 million percent. And the fact this team didn't do anything last year is a – let me let me stop. Um, a very inexperienced catcher's room, one sophomore, two freshmen. Um, Carson Bell comes back, Kyle Novak, Fenwick Trimble, um, kind of names that you may have heard of last year, Mason Dunaway. But a lot of new names. Liam Grubbs, who's been a consistent guy out there on the bump. But, I mean, just so many new names here that I'm scrolling through. And I'm like, this is a 57% new roster. I just have a lot of uh, a lot of questions, a lot of doubts. I don't know. Just feels like every time they uh, they got some stuff going in years past, they would quickly follow that up with a a disappointing showing like and they're not horrendous like worth noting that they're not like this terrible program they're just like impressively mediocre and was a little confused to be honest with you by some of the fans i feel like we interacted with last year that were like oh moving to the sun belt is going to be a big big help because the increase in competition huh JMU, why would that help no jmu <laughs> is a bad like they're bad at baseball like i'll say that you you are you're in one of the hotbeds of the country in terms of recruiting, in terms of talent, like in all honesty, Virginia and the Valley have some of the best high school talent in high, at least in Virginia, you should be one of the top teams in Virginia. You were 27 and 26. And you're telling me you had a top prospect in the MLB who's going to be in the majors within three years. You had Travis Reef Snyder who raked in the Valley. You had Trey Dabney who raked in the Valley. You've had a bunch of guys in the Cape. You've had all of this awesome experience. You've had 15 pitchers. I may be exaggerating a little bit. Who got drafted into the MLB. And you were 27 and 26 a year ago in 2021. Let's see. Maybe they were a little bit better. Nope. 11 and 17. Let's see. 2019. 2020 doesn't count because of COVID. You know, they had all that talent. 31 and 26. That's really good. Oh, wait. 11 and 13 in conference. This is not a good team. This is a team that has vastly underperformed 
for the entire time. This team has the opportunity to be great. In the Sun Belt, they should get better, but they're going to get left in the dust. This team has to rebuild from ground zero, and they have so far refused to, but that's the only way to get good, and this team just doesn't. <laughs> I love that rant. One I think of many. Fair. One of many. Got to improve. Got to improve. Got to see it this year against against quality teams. I think that's fair. They they feasted a little bit, boosted their records on some some low level teams. They got a decent slate this year. Obviously, the Sun Belt's a challenge. Let's see something from them. I think they're picked to finish sixth in their division or something. Kind of checks out. They're not really expected to be good. Uh, I don't think they're going to be good. So we'll see how that plays out. Glad we got you fired up. Lacrosse is expected to be good again, not in the Sun Belt. They're in the American. They're top, I think they were like 12th or something in a preseason poll. They're supposed to be a top 15. Yeah, they're good. Team again, schedule, <laughs> as you would expect, is very much loaded every year. So, yeah, they're, they're kind of going to do what we expect them to do, I would think, which is like make the NCAA tournament and be a, a tough out. I think for the national championship season, Hopefully I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. Kind of feels like an outlier. I don't think they're going to be like a consistent <laughs> yeah. national title team. I think they will be a consistent, like we make the tournament and then like one or two things break their way and they maybe get a recruit who's better than their, you know, average level. And maybe they make another run at it. Championship team is stacked. <laughs> like it's just, it's hard to replicate that, especially when you're not like, you know, when you're not power. recruiting that talent every single year, right. and like, it, yeah, that, they did. They did schedule Johns Johns Hopkins again, or not again, what? but like I think that's who they lost to last year in the NCAA tournament. That sounds right. Or they played them right for sure. Yeah. Well, so interesting that they brought brought them back on their schedule yeah. this year at home. And they like always open with North Carolina, which is just sweet. Where it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, why not just uh, open with those guys? And, and they always have that Sparks Maryland, like tournament mm -hmm. thing but it's never a tournament it's just a one game and it's always against yukon that yeah that's always fascinating <laughs> <laughs> they got a cool uh home slate was... maryland yeah. and ohio state and florida florida came the national championship season they played florida in the ncaa tournament at home mm -hmm. crushed them look at this look at this home slate they have here maryland ohio state johns hopkins florida UVA, ODU, Richmond, Cincinnati. That's Byington... what I'm looking for out of football. <laughs> can, do you think Byington can, uh, can have a word with them too and try to figure out how they <laughs> scheduled their We need to do that in a, in a joking way and tweet that at, at Shane or something. <laughs> if, if lacrosse can do it, why can't Byington get why, There's no reason Ohio State and Maryland shouldn't be coming here back-to-back. Uh, oh man oh that's awesome though I what other sports we got golf starting up here soon tennis you know we're a big golf podcast tennis has already been been going the women's team has a really hard schedule so awesome it's gonna be a busy spring let's go hopefully baseball puts it together and they find themselves in omaha it's time for them to do that <sighs> no one doesn't go to this well yeah all right, for Ben Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. Thank you guys for tuning in to the JMU Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and remember, drink plenty of three-notched beer if you're of age. See ya.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.